0: How is everyone feeling today? Um, I just want to say, like Pastor Myunga just said, um, I am married to John Neufeld. He is a worship pastor, worship director at New Philadelphia Church. And so I need to go home tonight and give him a report of how JP did with the worship, right? Um, and can I just ask a question, JP? How does a clap have swag? Because I was standing in the back thinking... How do you clap with swag? Yeah, come come, come up. You told us to do it, so I'm going to tell you to do it because I was so lost. So, uh... all right. So, I really don't know what to tell my husband. Uh, I'm actually really excited to be here because um, you guys probably don't know me, but I actually have a history with Emmaus. Um, back in, let's see, 2004, I came as an exchange student. And back then, Emmaus was called YICF, which is Yonsei International Christian Fellowship. So, 2004, I came as a fourth year student. Um, The year after, I came back to Korea after graduating. And that's when um, one of my friends that I met at the exchange uh, program, she was heading up YICF. And so when I came the year after, um, she actually had decided to transfer from the States to Yonsei University as a regular student. And so she was heading up YICF. And so I thought, she's the only person I know in Korea. She's my only friend. I'll just help her out with the ministry. So I, I kept on coming out. I was part of the leadership. And through this ministry, I met Pastor Marcus. You guys know Pastor Marcus? He preached last week, right? He came as an exchange student, so I met him as an exchange student. Interesting. <laughs> Do you guys know Susie Park? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, a, she's a wonderful, powerful worship pastor now, right? Um, I discipled her. Whoa. Back when she was like Miss Pharisee, you know? Um <laughs> But it was such a privilege because it was through this ministry I saw her experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And she's never been the same since, you know. So she is no longer a Pharisee. She is filled with the Spirit of God. Um, My sister, I have a younger sister, Angela. She served under Pastor Aaron uh, when YICF uh, turned into Emmaus. So she was a leader uh, for this ministry. And uh, Pastor Miong, I think I've known you for 11 years actually. Um, and we've done life together. We went on ministry trips. We went on missions trips. She lived a block and a half away from me. So my uh, roommate and I, Mijung and I, uh, we lived a, like a block and a half, not even, away from us, right? Um, and she would come over often. And she would sleep over often. In the morning, she would wake up, open up my closet, and think, what should I wear today? <laughs> Like, she's tall, I'm not, you know, but she would wear my clothes. Um, I would go to work, I'd come back home, she's still there. It was impossible to make her leave, you know. And so if you're trying to resist her in your life, don't even bother. Just allow her to enter into your life and be part of your life, okay, because she's not going anywhere. Um, and I can say, after 11 years of knowing her, I'm pretty confident that I know probably every single crush she's ever had <laughs> post-conversion. So if you're interested, come and talk to me after, you know? <laughs> Anyways, in all seriousness, I'm very happy to be here. Um, and I'm excited to be with this group. You guys are... Worship was amazing. It was powerful, you know, and uh, God, I believe, has amazing things for us at this retreat, for me, for you guys, for everyone. Um, Because you guys probably don't know me well, I wanted to kind of share my story with you, right? I was born and raised in Canada, so already... You can tell what kind of testimony I have, right? It doesn't involve drugs, it doesn't involve alcohol. It doesn't really involve boys or parties. I married my first boyfriend, John Newfeld, right? Oh I am not his first girlfriend. But But I am his first kiss. Oh) have fun tonight right (laughs) so I was sheltered I grew up in the church Um, weekends I spent at my uncle's prayer house that was me I went to (laughs) I went to school I went to church and I went home that was me that was my entire life until I came out to Korea Um, I was the token good Christian girl and uh, I heard there's a People of my kind in this room. (laughs) Come on, be proud. There are people of my kind in this room. It's okay. (laughs) JP, put that hand down. (laughs) Um, Everything looks so good on the outside. But on the inside, we sang a lot of songs tonight about what I want to preach about. But on the inside, I was enslaved to fear. I was crippled. Paralyzed by fear. And I don't have a colorful testimony, like a lot of, a lot of the pastors at New Philly. Um, there's one with a very, very colorful one coming tomorrow to speak. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a colorful testimony, but it's a powerful testimony. And, you know, um, I can only release what I have, right? And I believe what God has done in my life, he will multiply and release it for you. So I'm really believing for a powerful night tonight. Amen. 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 So again, crippled by fear, I was a middle child. You're laughing. You already know I have issues, right? <laughs> I'm a middle child. Perfectionist. Any perfectionists in the room? Come on. Perfectionists. JP again. <laughs> um I was smart. I was gifted in music. I was gifted in art. My parents thought I would be the lawyer or the doctor of the three of us. Right? I was a trophy child. I was that child you don't want to be, because everyone's mom is like, "Why can't she be more like Anita?" I hated that, right? But I was that child. You know, I, I seemed like the Miss Goody Goody, Miss Perfect, Miss Goody Two Shoes, right? And that's my story. But I was so crippled on the inside with fear because of that pressure. I had such a deep fear of failure, a fear of disappointing my parents, a fear of not measuring up to people's standards or to even my own standards, right? Um, I, I had this incredible fear of Men, not just man, but men in general, like maybe I watched too many movies. Maybe I just watched the news too much, but I was just so afraid of men. I remember when I, um, first moved out to Korea, um, like moved, moved out to Korea to work here. I lived with my aunt and I remember when I was still searching for jobs, it was about two months. And in that two month period, um, I did not leave her apartment. Unless she walked out with me. Like, she lived on her own because she had a family back in Canada, but she only worked here, like, a month at a time, right? So she didn't really have much. She lived in a one room. I lived with her. She had a TV. She had a small fridge. And she's Miss Healthy, right? So she only had, like, maybe water in there or something, right? (laughs) And so, like... There'd be nothing in the fridge. I didn't care. I didn't want to leave because I was so afraid. What if someone abducts abducts me? You know, like, like really strange in my head because I was so crippled by fear and I was so afraid of men in general, what they could do to me. I had this immense fear of man, people pleasing, any people pleasers in here? JP, (laughs) Um, fear of man is just, it's like you cannot be who you are because you're constantly working and living for the approval of man. You're constantly worried about what she thinks about you, what you think he might have said about you and told someone else. And you, you live in this whole, like this world that you perceive and it becomes your reality. And all of a sudden, the way you see yourself is so distorted. The way you see others is distorted. The way you see relationships is distorted. The way you see God and the way he might see you is completely distorted. And that was me. So crippled by fear. And for me, I said I grew up in the church, right? But this was me all throughout my life in church constantly, especially in church. You want to be the good girl, right? You don't want to be the one that gets in trouble, right? But over time, this anxiety and this paranoia just started manifesting physically. And I had terrible migraines almost on a daily basis. And if you've ever had a migraine, what a migraine feels like is it's like the tiniest like pin drop sound sounds like like an atomic bomb in your head and it feels like someone's really banging over your head with like this, this hammer and they won't stop, you know? And that was me like almost every day of my life in high school and in college meds can't do. And they say there's no cure for migraines, right? But I stand here to testify that I am free from migraines. I do experience the occasional headache and the occasional migraine, but I don't have a condition called migraine headaches anymore. And for me, I actually have to say that that migraines actually rooted in the fear that I was crippled by. Living in the anxiety and the paranoia of, of fear, right? And tonight, I just want to preach on freedom from fear, you know, everyone struggles with fear. It's not just for, like, and I got some looks here when I was saying, like, you know, I didn't leave my aunt's apartment. Everyone's like, she's weird. <laughs> like, like, something's, like, going on here, right? But it's not, fear is not something that is just for the faint of heart, for the weak personality. All people struggle with fear. All. It doesn't matter how strong you are um, and how strong of a personality you have. Because if Satan can get you to fear, he can actually distract you mislead you, misguide you from the path that God has for you. So fear is a tactic. It's not just something that weak people experience. It's a tactic. It's a demonic tactic, and it's a demonic spirit, right? And if it's a demonic spirit, you cannot use logic to fight it. You can't just use willpower to fight off fear. You can't just say, I am no longer going to be afraid of heights. And you just aren't afraid of heights. You can't make a conscious decision not to have fear in your life. It's a demonic spirit and has to be fought off with spiritual means. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can be set free from fear. The only way. You know, I, I just said that fear is a spirit and fear is not from God, right? But I just want to clarify here that it's different. The fear that I'm talking about is different from the fear of God. Okay, some of us go to God with a spirit of fear. We obey because we're afraid that God might punish us. That's a spirit of fear. But to have a fear of God means you follow him, you obey him, not in order to, to make sure that you have his favor and that you have his blessings, but because you know you already have his favor, because you already know that you already have his blessings on your life. The fear of God means that you revere him. That you love him, that you glorify him, and that you honor him, right? It has nothing to do with the spirit of fear, the spirit of intimidation, yeah. right? So I just want to clarify that. Fear is a spirit, and it is not from God. First Kings 18, there's a story about the prophet Elijah. Now, a prophet, Elijah, he lived in a time where King Ahab ruled over Israel. King Ahab was married to a woman named Jezebel. Did the name ring a bell? We all think Jezebel, and we think she's a scary lady, right? Um, he lived in a time where King Ahab ruled and reigned. And what happened under his reign and in, through the influence of Jezebel was a, King Ahab turned all of Israel against the Lord, away from God, and they gave themselves over to the worship of Baal. That's what happened. And Jezebel was busy making sure that every prophet of God, of the true God, was put to death. So Elijah, at this time, he gets a a word from the Lord. And the word of the Lord is, go to King Ahab, tell him that I'm sending rain in the midst of this famine. Tell him this. And Elijah... He's probably thinking, I'm probably the only prophet of God that is standing and alive right now because Jezebel just killed everyone, right? We don't know for sure if that's the truth, but that's probably what Elijah is thinking. But Elijah takes the word of the Lord, and then he goes to King Ahab. And this is what he says. He says, okay, we're going to have a showdown. This is my idea. Let me know if you approve, okay? We're going to gather all the people of Israel here, okay? And we are going to gather all the false prophets of the land. There were 450 false prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah in the land. And he said, we're going to gather all of them up. We're going to have a bull for their altar. And we're going to have a bull for the altar of the true God. And we're going to call on fire to come. And if the fire comes upon this bull, their God is a true God. But if the fire comes upon this bull, this God, he is the true God. What do you think? And so everyone's like, that's a great idea. Let's do this, right? And so the prophets of Baal, there's 450 of them against one Elijah, right? They prepare their altar with their bull. From morning to noon, it says in scripture. From morning to noon, they're calling on their God to rain down fire upon this altar. Not happening. Morning to noon. So Elijah goes up to them, starts mocking them. "Mm, Maybe he's relieving himself. You know? Or maybe he's fallen asleep and he needs to be awoken, right? And then they're like, okay, your turn. What Elijah does is he not only prepares the altar and puts the bowl there. He says, bring four jars full of water. Pour it around the altar. And he says, do it again, second time. Put four jars of water in the, around the altar. And he says, do it a third time. Three times. Times four is 12, right? 12 jars of water poured around the altar, filling the trench. And he calls upon the name of our God and says, God, would you consume this altar? Fire falls down from heaven, consumes the bull, consumes and licks up all the water as well. And the people say, "Surely this is God. God, this is our God. And you know what Elijah does? He has all 450 of the prophets of Baal put to death. That's gangsta! (laughs) Right? And then King Ahab goes home. And goes to his wife. To Jezebel and says. This is what the prophet of the Lord Elijah did. To the prophets of Baal. The God that you worship. And in her anger she says. Go send a message to Elijah. Tell him that this time tomorrow. He's going to be as good as dead. Just as all these prophets that he slayed. One woman sends a message. Sends a message of intimidation and threat. You know what Elijah does? He runs. He runs for his life. He runs into the wilderness. He pleads with with God and he says, God, if only I would die. As he hides in a cave. Wait a minute. This is the guy who had a showdown with 450 false prophets called on the fire of God. And God shows up and kills 450 prophets, right? False prophets. But then one woman says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to make sure you're dead tomorrow at this time. And he runs for his life. That's to show us that fear is a spirit. There was a spirit of intimidation that was in operation in this woman called Jezebel. That's why, she, that's why he ran from this one woman. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense, right? But that's what happened. So we need to understand that fear is a spirit. And we need to fight it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, tonight's main passage comes from 2 Timothy 1.7. If you can turn there. Second Timothy one, seven, it says here for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, power, love, and a sound mind is what we've been given. Not what we might receive or will continue to receive, but he's given it to us instead of fear. If you are in Christ, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you have access to this power, to this love, and this sound mind. Amen? Amen. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Amen. Got to wake up here. Um, Let me just pray right now. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall upon our minds and our hearts, God, that no longer will we be operating in knowledge of the scriptures, but in the reality of your scriptures, God, in the power of your word, oh God, in the power of your promises, Father. Lord, I release a spirit of liberation in this room, God, for anyone who is gripped with fear, God, that you would cause us to remember the things that we fear so that we can lay them today at the altar and walk out of this room, free, completely free, free and able to live out the plans and purposes that you have for us, God. And so, Father, I pray that you would move us forward in all the glorious plans and purposes you have for us. Reveal your word to us. Make it real to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, power. The Christian inheritance has nothing to do with fear. It has everything to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. Power here in this verse also means boldness, boldness. Why would God give us his power if he didn't think we need it? Why would he give us his power if he didn't want us to use it and access it? Right? He is well aware of all our weaknesses and our shortcomings. It's his design for us. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29, for consider your calling brothers that many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not, To bring to nothing things that are so that no human might boast in the presence of God. He knows we're not perfect. He knows we don't have it all put together. He knows we are weak without him. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Praise God, right? Praise God for that. So many of us, when we face fears, we ask God to remove it, right? We say, God, I'm so afraid of this job interview. I'm so afraid of, of, of even, like, talking to this one person. I'm so afraid of this situation. I'm sick, and I'm so afraid of what the consequences are, what my future is going to look like. I'm in college. I don't know what to do with my life. I'm so afraid. Would you remove this fear from me? But Scripture says that we are in here, in Christ, we are fighting a good fight, that we are more than conquerors. We are an army of God. If we're not victorious over something, if we're not in a battle, how can, how can we be victorious? Right? So God's not going to take away the fear from us. What he's going to do is he's going to give you his spirit, his power, his boldness to overcome that fear that is crippling you. Amen? Yeah. Everyone knows, is probably is familiar with a man named Peter in the Bible, Right? Peter's personality was not one to be afraid. He was the hothead, kind of the show-off. He walked on water. When Jesus was being arrested, he's the one that got the sword, cut off the right ear of the servant of the high priest. That was Peter, right? But then when he saw the soldiers taking Jesus away and saw the fate of Jesus before his eyes, he was crippled with fear. This is a man who said, I'm never going to deny you. I will follow you to the death. And then a a servant girl comes to him and says, aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? He's like, no, 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 that's not me. And it's a cold night. So they're around this fire, warming themselves up. And a gentleman, a servant comes to Peter and says, "Hey, weren't you the guy that was with him? He's like, no, that was not me. And then again, a relative this time of the guy whose ear got cut off, he kind of recognizes Peter And he says, I think I saw you. Weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, no, no, no. He denies him three times. He faced soldiers in the garden of Gethsemane. People who could have arrested him. But he had the audacity to cut off the guy's ear. Right? But then before a servant girl, before two other servants, he crippled. He shrank back. He denied Jesus. Right? But then Acts happens. Pentecost. Holy Spirit is poured out upon him. The Acts you, you read about in... Uh, the, the Peter that you read about in Acts is completely different. Yeah. Completely different. He was so filled with boldness and power and anointing that, you know what? People would bring out pe- um, people onto the streets on mats. Like, people who were sick, they would bring them out into the streets hoping that as Peter walks by that they gets close enough to a shadow that even even getting that close would heal them. It's not that his shadow could heal, but they were thinking he's so powerful. If I get even a little bit close to him, uh, surely I will be healed. That's how powerful he was, right? He's not the same guy. And the thing that transformed him was a spirit, was a Holy spirit, the power of the Holy spirit. You know, it was a time of great persecution. He was in prison with other disciples. And then, you know, the angel of God appears and opens, supernaturally opens the prison doors. Honestly, I'll be honest. If I was in prison for Christ and an angel of the Lord came and opened the prison doors and said, okay, go now, I'd be like, can you just please lock the door again? Cause I don't want to get in more trouble than I already am in. Right. <laughs> angel, leave me alone. Right. But the angel says, okay, I want you guys to leave now. Go back into the temple and preach Jesus. Peter didn't shrink back. He was a different man. He was filled with boldness. He's like, I was already in prison. What can man do to me? He goes back into the temple. He starts preaching again. He gets arrested. And they're like, we told you. Everything's going to be fine as long as you don't preach about Jesus. Just stop talking about this man, Jesus, and everything is fine. And Peter says, so now should I obey man or obey God? Where did that come from? That's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings supernatural boldness. You know, I'm standing here preaching, right? And if you knew me back before the Holy Spirit came upon me, you'd think, who is that girl? It's a boldness that I walk in. Like, I'm a living, walking testimony of the Spirit of God the boldness that he has for us. You know, I went on a ministry trip to Sydney. Um, Pastor Myonga was on that trip as well. The second one we went. What year was that? I'm not good with dates. <laughs> but um, powerful time. Powerful time with young people. Um, and when the spirit of God comes and he wants to do amazing works in us, wants to heal us and set us free from all sorts of fears and bondages, you know, there's resistance in the spirit, Right. The devil doesn't like it. Right. And all of a sudden there was just this young man who was completely resisting the work of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden he just had this supernatural strength and he started, he had a water bottle. He started like, you know, spraying it on people. He just kind of went weird. Right. And he started kicking people, like people were on the floor, and he started stomping on their heads, and we're just like, what is going on? And so in order to kind of like tame him down, one of our, our teammates, she went up to him and, and started praying over him and, and like, you know, binding this, binding that. And all of a sudden, this young man, quite, he's not a big guy, right? Um, I won't compare him to anyone in this room. <laughs> he's, he wasn't a big guy, right? He picks up. One of our team members picks her up, throws her, and we're all like, what is going on? People around them are just like, okay, get this guy, get this guy. It took four pretty big guys to grab him, to hold him down. And Pastor Christian, uh, lead pastor at New Philadelphia Church, um, I'm kind of like in the corner ministering to other people, right? I know what's going on, but I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm just being faithful with with what God is doing here, you know? Yes, God, yes, God, right? Like just being faithful. I'm aware, but I'm being faithful. And then all of a sudden, I hear Pastor Christian saying, "Anita Jew, that's my maiden name. Anita Jew, come to the front." And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> like inside, I'm just like, leave me alone why are you calling me? You know, there's so many other people at the team. There are guys on this team. Like, look at me. I'm small. I'm five, two. <laughs> and everything inside me, I was just like, why me? Don't call me. I, honestly, I was thinking, I hope he doesn't see me, <laughs> but I can tell from his voice. He really wanted me up there. So he's like, Anita, do you come to the front. I was just like, I go up and to the front, and, like, inside, I'm just like, oh, right? On the outside, I'm just like, you know. <laughs> Miss Perfectionist, you don't want to appear weak, right? I go up there, and he's like, I want you to go down with this guy. Yeah, I'm mean, laughing because you weren't the one to have to go. <laughs> and four pretty big men grab this guy arms and legs and like he's like lying down like this and each of them have like a leg and an arm and they're carrying him down the stairs and little me and just following them <laughs> down the stairs but in that moment i knew that in the natural i'm pretty i'm not tiny but i'm petite in the natural i'm just a, a petite girl and in the spirit i realized that i was bold that I had authority, yeah. that even Pastor Christian could see that I had authority, and that's why he sent me. I went down there, and it took about 20 minutes for Pastor Christian to wrap up things upstairs and come, back, come downstairs. But I was sitting there, and I remember specifically these four men, they wouldn't let this guy go because he kept on, like, fighting and resisting and, and um, saying, like, wanting to break out and run away. And I just said, hey, just let him go. Leave him, leave him alone, right? Let him just sit there. And the four guys, they look at each other. They look at me, and they're like, are you sure? Are you going to be okay, right? And in that moment, honestly, for a split second, I'm thinking, he might punch me. (laughs) That would be embarrassing, you know? Um, And that would hurt, right? But then I just was like, no, just let him go. Let him go. Let him sit down. And I was able to just have a conversation with him for 20 minutes without him manifesting in any way. And was able, that night, Pastor Christian, uh, was able to lead him to Christ, and it was a powerful testimony. All this to say, in the natural, you might be weak, but God knows. You might not be perfect, but he sure knows. He does. But if he's called you to something, he will also give you the power and the boldness to accomplish it. Okay? Um, so don't ask for fear to be removed. Ask for his power. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of Power and love. I love what Pastor Myungwa led us in, the prayer, right? Of love. And, and like all the songs, too. They're on point, JP. On point. There's a good report going out for you. No fear. Um, what we really need to understand about God's love is that it's not mushy. It's not this mushy, like, oh, kind, gentle God. Yes, it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. But if we don't really acknowledge, recognize, and remember what his love has accomplished, you're going to be crippled with fear. John 3, 16, we're we're very familiar with this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that we might not perish but have eternal life, right? For God so loved the world, his motivation was love. He didn't have to save us. He didn't have to send his one and only son to die on the cross. He didn't have to pour out his wrath upon his son. He was motivated by love for God. So loved the world. Right. And this is a picture of what God's love has accomplished accomplished for you. And me. Speaking of hell, Matthew 1350. At the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mark nine forty-eight. And that fire is not quenched. Revelations fourteen ten to eleven. And they will be tormented with fire and brimstone. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day and night. It's unthinkable and unimaginable what that place is going to be like. It's a place that is just where the wrath of God, the complete wrath of God is poured upon them day and night forever and ever. Never ceasing, never quenching. That's what we've been rescued from. If that's what his love, not just his power, but his love has accomplished salvation from eternal damnation. Don't you think his love can accomplish other things, can defeat other things in our lives? The fear of death, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of man, all these fears that we have, the fear of like people not accepting us, right? Don't you think the love of God can actually overcome those things in our lives? It's perfect love that drives out, casts out all fear. And we need to understand God's love. If we don't have this understanding of his love for us, we will unfortunately be living in fear. But his love is furious. It is strong. It's like a consuming fire. God is love. And he is like a consuming fire. And it says in scripture that the banner over us is love. Wherever we go, he says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And he says that his love never fails. Isn't that reassuring? Yeah. Not just in the scope of eternity, but here life on earth in the natural. We got to understand if God is for us then who can be against us. Yeah. Man can't touch us. They can hurt us. They won't destroy us. Situations we have to overcome, but it's not going to destroy us. Losses, Failures. They will happen. The Christian life does not mean that you're immune from life. It doesn't mean that it's going to be like this happy life forever on earth. Life happens. We experience loss. We experience death. We experience rejection and pain. Suffering. But we know that none of these things can actually destroy us. Because we have access to his love. We have access to his love. His love is powerful. You know, have you ever seen clips of a mama bear with her cubs? They are fierce. Okay. I understand why they call moms, like natural moms, mama bears. Last night I was looking at this clip on YouTube of this mama bear who had three cubs. And they found a carcass. And they were eating. They were feasting on it. It was after hibernation. And so bears go into hibernation for about three months. They're starving. They lose like so much weight and they have to gain it back really fast. Right. And so there's this male bear that comes out of hibernation and he spots the three cubs and the mama bear from across the, what do you call it? The like the lake, the river. And he slowly approaches them before, even before the male bear who is stronger and bigger can even get into the river to get close to the mama bear and club cubs. The mama bear gets into the water, dives into it, crosses the river and like, whoop, like claws, like, you know, just clawed him in the face. And this big male bear starts running off, but he's hangry. Okay. He's not just hungry. He's hangry. He came out of hibernation. He hasn't eaten for three months. And so he comes back. With like the scar and everything, he comes back for revenge, but ah, oh, mama bear she's not playing. she spots him, and even before he even gets close to the river, she just starts running like hur, hur, whatever right <laughs> starts running after, and like just stands up and starts just like yelling, like belting out the, the loudest roar, growl, growl and and just like. Whoah! paws him again in the face and he runs away. You know, I love my children. You look at my children wrong. You face my wrath. Okay. You mess with my kids. You mess with me. It's like hashtag mama bear hashtag. Ajuma. You do not mess with me. Okay. You do not mess with my children. But if my love for my kids is this fierce, like I'm small, but I will Fight anyone who will come after my kids. I don't care who you are, how big you are. I don't care. I will fight you. And I will win. (laughs) I will. But if my love for my children is this fierce, this bold, how much more is the love of God for us? That if anything were to come against us, surely... Surely he would rise on our behalf. That's his love for us. That's the kind of love he has for us. It's a powerful love. It's not this love, this mushy love, but it's a powerful love. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Sound mind here. Sound mind also means self-control. Any deep thinkers, any melancholies in this room? I am like, like as melancholy as they get. Okay, I am deep in my thoughts. JP? Uh... <laughs> Put your hand down. Uh, um, to have a sound mind is to have self-control to remain in the truth. To have a sound mind is to have self-control to remain in the truth. Even if the natural doesn't seem so, this is the truth, that is all that I need to know, and I will live and behave according to what I know is true. Anyone feel bipolar sometimes? I do. You know what the right answer is, but then again, you don't. You know what scripture says, but... I've counseled so many people over the years and they'll come to me and they say, well, I'm going through this, this, this. And in the beginning I'll say, well, you know, the scriptures say say this. And they say, I know, but I'm like, okay, well, if you don't agree with the scriptures, I can't say anything else. You know, like I have nothing else to say. And then the next time they come with the same problem, they say, I know what you're going to say. But, and I don't even have to quote the scripture. They already know what I'm going to say, right? But how is that a sound mind when you know what is right, but you don't follow it? Yeah. When you know what is truth, but you don't follow the truth, you're saying, you're giving yourself over to deception. Yeah. How is that a sound mind? Sound, a sound mind has self-control to stay within the truth. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. It comes from. From the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't one day wake up and say, Today I'm gonna live as the Bible tells me to live and do it. Scripture says, Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. God knows, and that's why He made provision through His Holy Spirit. He's saying, I know your, your flesh is weak, I know your desire. But your desires aren't enough to perform it, actually, to live it out. So I'm going to give you my power, my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you sound mind. I'm going to give you that self-control that you need to be able to live according to what you know is right and what you know is true. You know, you know those Inchroma glasses, color for the colorblind? No? Cool-looking glasses, people who are colorblind, they put them on, and all of a sudden, they're not colorblind. You know, they can actually see the actual colors. Like, I have friends who are colorblind. And sometimes I, I get really sad from them. Like, I have real deep empathy, you know? And I just think, the grass isn't green for them. <laughs> That's so sad! Y'all are laughing because you don't know, but like, what, can you imagine? The grass isn't green. The trees aren't green. The sky isn't blue. Everything looks gray. Yeah, it looks great. Not for everyone, but gray tones and kind of like hues of orange and red. But I I, kind of think like, that's so sad. They know the sky is blue, but they don't know. They know the grass is green, but they don't know. If you see any of those videos of people who put on those glasses for the first time, oh, man, it makes you cry. Like. Nine out of 10 times, seriously, right? Like I'm about to cry right now. Just thinking about it. Like, like the minute they put on the glasses, they take it off. It's overwhelming how beautiful what they're seeing is completely overwhelming. What they, what they saw to be true because they were told it was true. They were told the sky is blue. They were told the great, the grass is green and the trees are green. They're told this, but to see it. It's just like, oh, so overwhelming. They just take it off, and they just start crying. And all the relatives are like this awkward, like, I thought you'd be really happy, but like, this is awkward? Like, so are you going to put it back on, you know? Like, they're there, like, holding it and just weeping, and the relatives are sort of like, put it back on, you know? And that's what the world is like if we don't rely on the power of the Holy Spirit when we don't have a sound mind everything looks what you see is what you get but when you ask Holy Spirit to give you self-control over your thoughts and the way you perceive things the way you see things all of a sudden it's like putting on those glasses and all of a sudden you're like I didn't know like I knew but I didn't know I know this is what the Bible told me, but like now I know, right? That's the Holy Spirit. He changes the way you think. He changes the way you see things, the the way you see yourself, the way you see other people, the way you think people think about you, that begins to stop. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of sound mind that God has given to us instead of a spirit of fear. You know, my personal journey, like, I came out in 2005 after graduating. Um, I was planning on staying here for one year. (laughs) After I graduated, um, I was taking care of my grandparents. Unfortunately, both of them fell ill at the same time, and so I was kind of their full-time caregiver for, for a while. And my parents started seeing that it wasn't a good thing for me. And so they're like, hey, why don't you go out to Korea for one year? Um, that way you can kind of get your life together, your thoughts together, figure out what you want to do with life. Um, I was an undecided major until I was in third year, and I had to declare a major, and I just thought, I'm getting good grades in poli-sci, so I'm going to be a poli-sci major. If you know me, I, have, I want nothing to do with politics. Like, like, if you argue with me, I will cry. <laughs> I'm not so like you know proud that I can't admit that you know. I remember my my fourth year actually as a poli sci major, I had a major presentation and I, I presented my thesis and my and you know everything is graded on a relative curve, right? And so everyone's your enemy, right? And so my, my classmates were tearing me apart. They're ripping me apart. I'm just thinking, how could you do that to me? <laughs> like I'm really nice to you, like you know. <laughs> And they were just ripping it apart, and I remember I walking into the bathroom completely, like, ashamed and, like, so, like, embarrassed, just weeping and just thinking, God, just take me away now. Because, like, I'm like, okay, I can't be a poli-sci major, obviously. Like, even if I, like, graduate with this, like... I have to do something along the lines of poly sign I don't want to. Like, I will cry every day, right? And so um, quickly, after my brother kind of counseled me, I changed my major in fourth year. Fourth year, I changed my major to communications. Um, awesome major, by the way. Um, not really applicable in my life right now, but stay in school, right? School's good. Um, school is good. Stay in school. Uh, be cool. Be, stay in school, right? Um, but I was... I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And so I, I, I needed to, to get my life together. So my parents thought, okay, why don't you go to Korea? Your aunt is in Korea, so you can stay with her. So... For me to leave home was a huge thing. I commuted to school when, even when I was in university. Never left home. And I went to Korea. I lived with my aunt. And then after one year, at the end of that one year, I met a, a few people from JSCM, which is now New Philly. right? And all of a sudden, this hunger in me started growing for the Lord. I was always a good Christian girl, but really it was religion, right? But all of a sudden, like, I just thought, wow, like I'm seeing transformation before my eyes. And it was actually through this ministry I started seeing the transformation. People who were a part of this ministry who started attending New Philly or JCM back then, uh, I saw them change right before my eyes. And I just thought, I got curious. I was like, I got to check out this church. And man, I won't say who the preacher was, but the preacher was like, I was like, he's not making any sense. The people aren't really mean. They're all really clicky. But I feel called to stay here. It terrified me. It really terrified me. And so I was just like, okay, God, um, I'll obey. I'll stay one more year. And my mom was so surprised. She's like, okay, one more year. And then I started working and publishing. And so my mom's like, okay, publishing, good girl, trophy daughter, right? Um, And so... I started working for UNESCO, actually, uh, in publishing. And so I was, I was living out here for one more year. And then Good Friday of, don't even know the date, of 2007. I'm there, you know, co- taking communion all of a sudden. Just like I knew it was a voice of God. Like I can sense him in my spirit saying, I want you to commit one more year. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was almost done. I was almost done! And I was like, okay, God, if you really want me to, okay, fine, right? Another year passes, the, the next year at Good Friday service, same situation. And this time he's like, two years. And I'm like, okay, two more years. I've done three, so I'll do two more. I'll do two more. Following year, I'm just like, okay, God, um, as long as you want me to be here, as long as you want me to be here. And I kid you not. <laughs> That Sunday, I was on the phone, actually, with Pastor Mina. She's preaching tomorrow. We're really good friends. She and I were both on the phone. We're thinking, like, what is God speaking to you right now? And we both were like, yeah, God's telling me, like, you know, uh, to commit to staying in Korea as long as I'm calling you to. And so both of us were like, I wonder how long that's going to be, you know? Like, (laughs) yeah, we're in this together. We both heard the same thing. That's so awesome. Kid you not. That Sunday, we go to church, and Pastor Christian makes his 10-year commitment altar call. So it's like this thing where he felt led to make an altar call for people to to commit to 10 years of sowing into this nation. I was the last person to go up. (laughs) Probably the first person to know that God wanted me up there, but the last person to stand up. And you know what? You know, when, when God calls you, a lot of times you're like, I heard from God and you were running. You're like, yes, I heard from God. I know what I'm going to do with my life. Seriously, I went up and I was wailing. I was just like, "Ah! I'm going to be like 35 when I'm in Korea and like all this stuff, right? And But the thing is, I had to make that decision against what I knew what my parents' expectations were. They were very patient with me the, the first five years very patient with me. Every time I said one more year, one more year, actually this time, two years, you know, my parents were so patient with me. But in that moment, I knew it was the voice of God leading me. And I I can, I can feel the pressure. Like my mom's going to hate this. She actually might disown me for this. She might actually fly out to Korea and then take me back. I've heard of stories of people whose parents took away their passports that they can't come back to Korea, like things like that. So I'm like thinking, like, I know my parents are not going to be happy about this. But in that moment, there was a soundness of mine where I knew it was a voice of God. Everything in the natural told me that's that's nonsense. What are you going to do in Korea for 10 more years? Are you really going to have a career here? Are you going to get married here? What are you going to do here? And in that moment, I just had to be like, okay, well, I, I hear, I'm hearing from the Lord. He's making it very clear. And I had to listen. And when I laid down those fears of family rejection and all, and the fears of uncertainty about life in Korea, like, peace came upon me. And one thing I want to say is you cannot mistake relief to be peace. When God calls you to some, something, Right? And you know, it's him calling you. And I've, I've counseled so many people who come to me with this too. And it's very clear to them, very clear to me that God's calling them in a, di- in a certain direction. They say, I feel so peace, so much peace, but walking away from this and then, and, and moving on. But there's no joy on their face. There's no conviction in their voice. There's only relief. Because they don't have to face the hardships and the fears that they can anticipate from following the ways that God is leading them in. You cannot mistake relief for peace. When God calls you to something, there's a joy in it. It Might scare you to death. But there's an anticipation. There's a hope. There's a joy. There's life in it. Had I followed my fears... And followed what made more sense. Like my parents didn't immigrate to Canada. So their kids can go back to Korea. Right? It didn't make sense for me to be in Korea. But I knew what God was speaking. And I had to stay. And I, and I, I can say right now. I don't regret staying here. I don't regret following the voice of God. I'm married with a wonderful husband. Two beautiful children. I have this community right here. I have New Philly Church. My husband and I, we feel like we are in the middle of God's plans and purposes for our lives. It's not easy being here. But God wants us here. He gives us what we need when he calls us. So there is no fear when you have a sound mind because you see things clearly. You see things according to a, a, a supernatural truth. A a truth that's beyond the natural. Things that you cannot see with the naked eye. You know, tonight, my message is not to say, you know, this is a feel-good pep talk or a motivational speech. Like, pursue what you want to pursue and his grace is sufficient for you. You can do all things through him who gives you strength. And you will have success. That's not my message. My message is you will face rejection. You will face disappointment. You will feel hurt sometimes. People will fail you, reject you. You will make mistakes. But there's a greater power that allows us to move forward. We need to stop asking God to take away our fears and start tapping into what he has already given us. And that is power, love, and a sound mind. We need to access the Holy Spirit. All these hardships that we experience in life, they're not going to destroy you. If anything, they're just going to build you and lunge you forward so that you can actually live out the call, the glorious plans that God has for you. Let's pray.